Uh, Jess, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. A health and fitness coach, podcaster and TEDx speaker. I know, yeah, I forgot Quite to... the resume. Yeah, add that one at the end. Forgot about that, yeah. Even though it's only just happened. Yeah, I should really change my bio. Get that in your bio. <laughs> Shove it in my bio somewhere. We're going to yeah. go into all that, um, but for now, two truths, one lie. Are you prepared? Yes, I am. I had to think. Right, so here's my two truths, one lie. When I work out, because I'm a health and fitness coach, yep. I like to listen to heavy metal. Yep. When I was 13, I got scouted for Chelsea girls team. Right. And I was a nearly 10 pound baby. Now, I don't know babies, so is that big or small? I was a big baby. Big baby. I think a stone is 14 pounds. Right. And I, I would say an average baby is about six pounds. I think I was talking about, I think I was like seven. Yeah, I think an average baby is probably about six pounds-ish. So ten's big. Ten's big. Hmm. So I, I think you will listen to heavy rock music. I think that's okay. a common thing. Okay. Don't tell me if that's right yet. Uh, Chelsea, like you're a fitness girl, so that could be also be a possibility that you're into football, but mm. I haven't seen anything football on your Instagram. Hmm. Um... I'm going to go with the football one being the lie. No. It's true. It's true. Yeah, yeah. What happened there? That's true. I, well, I was in a contract locally, so I wasn't allowed to get like taken away from the team. Um, but yeah, I, I just it didn't, it didn't turn into anything. But there was me and another girl from my team who got scouted at a tournament, and it just didn't come into fruition because we were already tied into a contract, which I regret now. But oh, I did play football until I was about 17. Then I stopped... Just because I was... So what age was you scouted? 13. Oh, wow. I know. Um, But then I was... To play till I was 13, went to college, went to uni, stopped playing footy, just kind of lost a bit of interest in it. And also, it's not what it is now. It's really hard to get... Yeah, women's football now is massive, Yeah, it was just a nightmare. It was just so hard to try and get into a team. I did go to Donny and travel to Donny for maybe six months, but then fell out of, like love with the whole drive because I wasn't even driving at that point my mum and dad were driving me when mm. I was 16 um, and then I stopped playing went to uni find, fell out of love with exercise moving stuff like that then I did teach in America for a summer for a little bit football football um, and then I had like a 12 year hiatus and just didn't play and then this year I just well last year I just decided to start playing again nice which my body is very grateful for being in my 30s it's like yeah thanks for choosing this now so I'm absolutely battered most weekends but I enjoy was it was that kind of motivated by the success of the women's yeah. teams yeah yes and no I tried to get into it last year but there was no teams locally that uh like aligned with what I wanted mm. to do. They trained on a Friday, which is a really rubbish day for me to try and train, but mm. it also they didn't really take it that seriously. And I thought if I'm giving up my time, I kind of want to take you it a little bit properly, seriously. Yeah. Um and then there's a new team that's just formed in Brig. Um so I've just started playing for them and yeah, it's good. And there's oh, loads more teams in the league than when I was a kid. You'd gonna be get four or five and there's twelve in our league, which is pretty decent. Oh women's football is like accelerated at a rate I've never seen yeah. in a sport. It's amazing. It's just really good. It's just almost like the time has finally happened. Like, I loved it growing up. I used to play in, like, lads' teams until I wasn't allowed when I was, like, 11. So, but I played since I was, like, three mm. and just loved it. So I had kind of had a bit of a chat with myself last year that I just thought, I want to do some... What's one thing that, if I said to my younger self, I would be frustrated that I gave up and it would be football. Be football. So I was like, I'm going to start it again. I'm just going to do it. 
um, and got into it again. But yeah, my body, even though I'm like fairly fit and healthy, it's different. It's different game in it. Football is completely yeah, different. Just and absolutely battered. I used to play for a team on a Sunday, and then we stocks we folded. Uh, I thought right, I'm just gonna get back into on Saturdays. But Saturdays are like men's football is a different level so it's like a bit of a higher level mm. and I'm a centre midfielder yeah, which means same. that you're going to need a lot of stamina Yeah, yeah. so I thought in my head because I had a lot of stamina on Sunday no matter how long I took off I was like my fitness is always going to be there like I work lifting boxes and yeah, stuff yeah. I went for one run last week Pff, absolutely yeah. shot it accumulates over time certain types of fitness do stay you know when people are like oh I went on holiday and I feel like I've lost it it's like you don't lose it that quick it depends on the energy system that you're training mm. that you lose it that quick the high intensity stuff yeah that'll go Sprinting if you have a week things off like that. that'll disappear your endurance stuff if you train to do run a marathon you could have a month off running and you'd still probably be fine like really? that stays but people get that twisted and they just think oh I can just I can just do that and I'll be fine or whatever it's it's yeah it's just a different I've even realized it with football because I didn't really have much of a pre-season I just jumped in and my body's like ready for the yeah. season to be over yeah it wants a break massively so because football's so like stop start and that's what the most taxing thing on your body isn't it it is and also like the impact of stuff like I'm fairly quick and a lot of the other women are a lot bigger than me taller than me I just get annihilated like I'm I'm strong I'm strong in the gym but it's a different thing altogether being on the pitch. And yeah. like, it's a bit of a joke in my team. Everyone's like, how many times are you going to go down this weekend? Like, <laughs> how many times are you going to be on the floor or whatever? Like, went saw my osteopath this week and he was like, have you had a fall recently? I was like, no, just I literally get... killed by... Yeah, yeah, I was like, yeah, annihilated by some right back somewhere or whatever, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, it's good though. I'm really enjoying playing again. So that's, that is a true one. Um, I do not listen to heavy metal. That's probably like my least favourite type it? of music. So yeah. isn't that common in the gym? Well, to be honest, I've just been working today and someone put a song on and I was like, this is trash. But it's not really my cup of tea, no. No, I'm more like to? House, R&B, that's a bit more me. So yeah. when I used to go to the gym, I don't go to the gym now, um, but when I used to go to the gym, I found like podcasts because it like yeah. takes me out of the zone of thinking I'm in pain here. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. I do like a podcast. I like podcasts for runs because... Podcasts for runs, I definitely do, it yeah. It doesn't interrupt my pace. I feel like I can absorb those... When I did um, marathon last year, I missed the fact that I was getting through so many books and so many podcasts. Because you can't do anything else. You're not distracted, are you? Mm. Whereas being a business owner, it's really easy to be like, oh, I need to do that, I need to do this. Go out for a two, three hour run. You can't be on your phone. Yeah. Just listen to books, take in loads. Of I love that. So I do miss that time, like being off my phone for a bit. So yeah. So you was a 10 pound baby? Yeah, nearly 10 pounds. Like, na- like almost 10 pounds, yeah. But now you're so small. But my mum's four foot eleven as well, so my mum's really tiny. Oh wow! So I just think I think she probably had diabetes, but they didn't pick up on it, and they just let her go way beyond what she should have. So right. I was just a big old baby. Wow. Yeah, I came out like demanding like mashed up Weetabix in my milk. I wanted I wanted the good stuff <laughs> Straight from, from birth. Yeah, I was like, give me the good stuff. Stop giving me this rubbish. Yeah. So I was a big kid. So if we go back to your childhood, was you, have you always been interested in fitness and health and? I've always been quite sporty. Um, the football, obviously. Yeah, yeah, football was always in like the sports teams at school. Like, it, you would have expected me to go into sport, but I remember when I was at school and like you know you have your careers advisors. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember them saying like, oh, I just don't think you're gonna be smart enough to go to uni and do sport. And I was like absolutely wounded because I was getting like A's and B's. That's such a big issue yeah. with school. That's my, just, that's my biggest issue with school. Because they just stick you in a box and then you go, oh, well, I guess I'll do something else then. And that's the thing, if you're easily influenced, you will stick to that box. Yeah, so then they basically said that and I thought, okay, well, maybe I need to think of something different then, 
even though I was really good at sport, yeah. the practical, like the theory I had to try harder at, but it, I still was like, I, cause I was interested in it. Yeah, I cared yeah. about it. It helps, doesn't it? Um, so then I went to college and I still did PE, but I did like widen my range a bit, did like English, sociology, psychology. And you'd think I would like psychology cause I'm so interested in like mindset and stuff. But mm. at college it was just trash. It was just like, remember this study, remember this study, remember That's this again, study. again, my issue with education is, is none, none of it is kind of what you want to do, which you would think is like the practical side. Yeah. Um, it's all just remember these words and rewrite them in a second. Yeah, and just re- like the memory type of yeah, thing. Yeah. It doesn't mean you, you're good at it, yeah. So I didn't like psychology, but then I dropped psychology so I could do media because I actually really like media. Yeah. Um, and then because of this person saying I probably couldn't do physio, which is what I was interested in, um, I was like, right, I best, I'm quite good at English. Let me go do English. So I went and did English linguistics at Man Uni. Right. Um, but I just, I've totally gone off piece there. But yeah, I was always a sporty kid. Did a lot of sports when I was young. Really loved it. Um, and carried that through until I was like late teen and then probably started being more bothered about what people think of you and drinking, socialising. Probably just didn't have the capacity to care for the things Yourself, that I used yeah. to care for as much. Um, which is a shame, really, but you can only see it in hindsight, can't you? So, you could say that was kind of like the learning curve to then maybe later on in life be where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. I think I needed that break away from fitness to be able to appreciate to why I liked again. it so much. Yeah. So when did that kind of come back to you? Probably when I was maybe like twenty twenty one. So I'd gone pretty much through uni and like graduated and at uni i'd be this type of person that would like go to the gym once in a week and then <laughs> go on a big bender and then like have like a massive pe- domino's pizza and be like yeah. oh it was fine so i went I'll to the gym once on this week <laughs> yeah but didn't really use my gym membership at all so it was a bit stupid like having a gym membership then um and then when i graduated i like just got back into it because I was working I was working for a, a recruitment company and then I went into PR and I was almost like using it as a bit of a break from how demanding work was like they were both really stressful careers to go out of uni into recruitment which was just it's so intense and yeah. then PR which was like constant so it was like I was living in a city centre like going to the gym on a night time or in the morning was just like my time um, and the jobs didn't pay that well so it was like the only th- I was like well I've got a gym membership so I'll just mm. go to the gym because it's it's not, it doesn't cost me anything because I have to pay just a monthly. I'll go as much as I can. But yeah, pretty much then, that's when I got into it a bit more. Gym can be that break, can't it? I, I sometimes find myself not going to the gym because I've fallen out of love with gym so much. What's made you fall out of love with the gym? I did a course, of, like a, and the, the main thing is nutrition. Mm. Like I didn't mind the weights and that so much. It was the nutrition and the intensity of like the plan. It just... It sounds like you've had a coach who's put you on a plan. I have indeed. Mm, interesting that we'll go into kind yeah, of no other people and coaches the and, <laughs> and things like that um but i find myself now like because i like football i find myself going on runs for a break yeah like, even before this i'd finish work and there was a bit of time before this and i thought you know what i'm just gonna go for a run yeah just like clear my head before mm. so that's kind of what you was using gym for to start with was it yeah i think so and i think i probably still use it in a way like that now although it's much more part of my daily routine yeah. that I don't see it as like the me time that I maybe used to see it as 
because now it's almost like it is actually integrated as part of my day. It's like brushing my teeth. It's it's just something that I do because I've done it for that long. How do you find that? Because what was a passion is now your I think job. that's another reason I probably started playing footy again because I yeah, needed something needed that was a like a bit more of a passion project that I could see myself doing and enjoying. Um, like I learned to mix last year. So I went and DJing. did a DJ course. Yeah, because I was like, I feel like I needed something to express myself outside of the gym because I work there. So I, it's like... I spend a lot of time thinking about the technicalities of people's programs and all the stuff that goes into it, that it doesn't have the same fun that mm-hmm. I used to. I still find exploring the body like super fascinating and I love finding more about how I can improve and things like that, but it's just different. It doesn't mean I don't value it less. It just means it's different. It gives me a different gratification than it used to. So I just find that elsewhere now. So do you go to the gym outside of work time? Yeah. And do you use that as like your break or are you constantly at the gym thinking, oh, I could teach my clients this, I could teach Um, my clients that? I do use it as my own time, but I'll always do it like at the start of the day before I've got clients in. Right. So it's just like, that's just part of my my morning routine. Um, But I used to be an evening workouter and then that changed when I started doing this job because I'm just a bit of a morning person now. Do you find that you're more of a morning person with... No. I am not Being a, a biz- morning person. It's just funny how everyone's wired differently. I think obviously the industry I'm in, I'd be a bit screwed if I wasn't a morning person. There was a, um, I think it was like a, what are they called? Studies of sleep. What are they called? Like neuros. Yeah, where they like just more about the brain, like neuroplastic, like yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that mean. kind of thing, there was someone on Stephen Bartlett's podcast and they was saying how people have this thing in their head that to be successful and stuff, you have to be a morning person. Like you have mm. to get up at 5 a.m. before the world wakes yeah. up. Yeah. Um, but then this guy was saying, that's not true at all. A lot of people can work highly efficiently in the evening. And I think that's me. Yeah. You're either like a, a night owl or a morning lark. And it's like literally half of the population are one and half population yeah. the other. But today's world favors people who are Mornings. morning people. If you work a job where it's nine to five, unfortunately, you've got to be up probably at like half seven or whatever. Yeah. Um, but that is the benefit of like maybe when you're self-employed that you can work at hours that suit you more. Mm. Um, I find I am a morning person. Like I can get out of bed. I'm quite like energized and chirpy first thing, but I still get those like bursts of energy on a nighttime. And what I find hard being self-employed is sometimes like telling myself just switch off because I'm like, oh, I've got that burst of energy. I'll quickly do that thing. But I'm like, no, because you told yourself you were going to have like a bit of a chill time tonight. So how do you manage that? Because it's one thing saying it, oh, you're going to have a bit of chill time tonight, but your brain does its own thing. Yeah, I try I try to like time block a lot more. I don't always do that. I find myself doing a lot of the things that I find enjoyable in my free time, but I don't see it as work. Social media being one of them, I don't see that as work. Some people right. will be like, oh God, I had to create a post or whatever. It's like, I don't mind doing that on an evening. So because... even though your Instagram, I've, I've seen it, is very um, coach-based. Yeah. You don't find it work no I don't really find it like work I just find it like it's just I think because I I used to work in marketing for quite a few years it comes second nature yeah it doesn't it doesn't really it doesn't require much thought to think it needs to be really curated and because I'm a personal brand it's like I don't need to spend hours on production and like Mm. look at my product etc it's like I am my product so if you see me training in the gym then that's actually just what you see is what you get that's just the way it is or if I'm talking on a video then that's just quite normal um but it's quite funny because like my fiance he's like the opposite he just like doesn't do social social media at all so it's like he's just like please please let's not do a video <laughs> like don't get me in the video or like does he go to the gym as well 
he, he trains at home like we've got a garage gym so he trains just like at home but he's like massively into his golf like he's got really into his golf in the last like two years golf so good for like just taken away from he loves everything it. else yeah he, he used to like play f- footy and then his team folded and like he loved his cricket when he was younger but he said to me like recently he was like I 100% should have always played individual sport he was like I just didn't realize it until I did it because he was like like cricket and footy I really liked like he loved cricket but he was like I didn't care about it enough right. as a team he's like get me on a golf course and it's like it's only me against me and he's like and I didn't actually realize like that I cared about that as much as I do but he plays so much I bet all his friends who he goes golfing with are like god you golf loads and you've got like a fiance how is that possible because he just he just literally goes like <laughs> all, is at the golf all the time yeah, he literally all the time um but he loves it so that's his hobby that's what he likes to do so yeah but he does train maybe not as into it as, as I am but yeah social media now me and Lauren who's a good friend of mm. yours we spoke a lot about social media yeah what's your relationship with social media is it a positive one is it a a ish one or I would say it's positive majority of the time the thing that I f- sometimes find hard is showing up when I don't feel great like in my mental health or whatever um and I know like Lauren will be like show those parts like that's the part of it and she's very good at doing that but for me I'm that type of person anyway whereas if I'm finding something difficult I will take it internally and like try to deal with it myself. I'm the exact same. So the thought of then like sharing that with everyone, I'm like, well, I haven't even worked out myself yet. So like, why am I sharing it on social media? I'm more likely the type of person that would maybe spend a few days thinking on it and then share what I what Your came out of that. Of it, yeah. yeah, rather than like put it out straight away. Like I, I probably wouldn't be the type of person to like cry on social media because that's the last thing I would think of doing if I'm crying. Yeah, I'd be yeah. like. I'm currently crying. This is my moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, like I'll just I'll just cry to myself. It always makes me laugh. Like you know them TikTok videos where someone's like a day in the life of, and then they like set the phone up, and it's like them getting out of bed. I'm like, yeah, but who set your phone yeah, up? Yeah, you got up out of bed. <laughs> yeah, to set your <laughs> so phone you up. Go back into bed. <laughs> it's the same with the crying thing. It just doesn't make sense to me. I'm like, so it's like not... pause, go, carry on crying. Yeah, <laughs> it, it would just feel too scripted. So I don't know, like. Yeah, maybe if you was on your your phone to your mate and you were FaceTiming and then you ended up in tears, that's yeah. a bit different, but I don't know. It's just, um, yeah, it's I'm much more the type of person to like take things away, deal with them in my own time and then go with it. But I, I would say I'm relatively like an optimistic person. I'm quite positive. So I don't find it hard to show up on social media a lot, but we're all human. I still have those moments. And I think I wear my heart on my sleeve so people can see through it quite easily if mm. I'm not. Right. Yeah, so, it can be obvious, can it? When you yeah. The health and fitness world on social media. How is that? Because that's something I know nothing about. It seems to me that there's a lot going on in that world. Yeah, it's a little bit crazy. I think it's obviously had a huge boom during lockdown, COVID, etc. Um, it's there's a hell of a lot of crap, and not a lot of like purity. There's also a lot of people with ill intentions. I think. Um, there's also a lot of like misspread information. There's also a ton of guarantees when there can be no guarantees. Yeah, with health um, fitness, it's so individual. So individual, yeah. Yeah, it's like pretending to be a doctor online and just saying like, if you do this, this will solve that problem. And it's like, well, what about me? Because I've got this condition. Oh no, it won't do that for you. But you yeah. said it. Would pro- it's just. It's literally like everything is just so. Do this, it will get you that. Um, and it's great marketing to guarantee people solutions to their problems. Of course it is. 
but then the people who are misguided fall into that trap feel disillusioned by the fitness industry because it didn't give them the result that it promised and guess what they feel stung and then they never trust health and fitness again and it's just a vicious cycle i see so many coaches that have like oh halloween special and it's like first hundred sign up get it cheap but then they're just throwing a plan to 100 people yeah now the coach i did well we'll maybe get into that later on he was personal Mm. it's maybe just a me thing but i've seen coaches like my girlfriend had one and it's in a different city so i can talk about it yeah yeah uh, it was just like the plan didn't feel personal at all. It was kind of like hundreds of these girls that had heard about this coach joined up mm-hmm. and he just froze a plan. I feel like there's so much of that. And there it's is, just about how you market yourself rather than actually doing the job. It right. is. It's, it's how you market yourself. And you could argue that they're great at business, but mm-hmm. it's like their ethics are so out of the window. Lauren talked about this so much. She says like the ethics side, when does the balance... Yeah, people people have almost like stopped being ethical because they want to make so much money. And it's like, if money is one of your values in life, absolutely. But be honest about it and say, this is a group training program. You are all going to get the same program. You're all going to work through it at the same time. That's why it is 100 quid yeah. rather than a one-to-one. pound for a one-to-one. Yeah, whatever it is. It's just, it is just, yeah, it's, it's, that really frustrates me because... There's also a ton of intelligent people who fall hook, line, and sinker for that because the people are just good at marketing themselves. Um, and it's just really sad because I think as well, then it people struggle to see what personalized actually is or individualized, like an individualized program. An individualized program to me is something different to what some people might say where they're like, oh, well, my coach looked at what I had in my gym, so they gave me dumbbells instead of barbells. That's not individualized. No, that's a geminized. <laughs> yeah, it's not. When you say about personalized, how was yours personalized? So the nutrition plan was subject to my body type and it was altered every week based on the results rather than okay. rather than a 10-week course of here's the food you need to be eating, mm-hmm. here's the training plan, let's see how you look after 10 weeks. Mm-hmm. So it was a week-to-week thing and I felt like if I... You basically talk about your feelings as well, mm-hmm. which is quite key for me is that I felt, oh, I didn't sleep very well this week. And we kind of like, look, why? Mm-hmm. The food gets reduced or I'm feeling really good this week. All right, well, that's good. You mm-hmm. can lift heavy. Let's in- increase the food kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the experience I had. Yeah. Out of interest, who was this coach? What did, uh, well, I don't, I don't need to know his name or whatever, but what, what did he do in his like career? He was a coach first, but what else did he maybe do? So he's he's not a full time coach, right? Okay. Um, I don't know what he does his, his job, but he okay. works a full time job. Right. And he does his coaching on the side. Okay. Um, right. But I feel like it won't be long until he's until doing, he's full time. He's, he's now getting the marketing side yeah. correct as well. What's his hobby? What does he like to do? I don't know because literally this ten week course. Right. After that, I was like, I just hate gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I would take that as an indicator that it might not be the gym, but it might be the method that it was delivered. Um, I ask what he does because a lot of the time when people say they reduce my calories, they increase my calories, they made me send a picture of me in my underwear every week. Often it's coming from like a bodybuilder background or someone who is in or respects the bodybuilding world. It's like... He is a bodybuilder. Shock. So it's like, do you, do you want to be a bodybuilder at any point during that process? No. Hmm, interesting that. It's like people are just put into the boxes that we told, we spoke about earlier because that's what people perceive fitness to be. And it's like, if you had no intention of going on to become a bodybuilder, why are you training like one? Hmm. So it's like, it's just, it's understanding that a lot more. 
my 65 year old client who's come to me because she's got arthritic knees can you imagine me saying right squat <laughs> yeah send me calories this week yeah. she'll be like that's got nothing to do with why i've come to you about my mm. knees or if i say he sent me a picture of in your underwear jess i didn't why why do i need to, why do you see my, my knee why do you need to see me yeah. in my knickers it's like make it make sense and i think that's the problem with the health and fitness world it's like we see this oh the health and fitness world is being as shredded as possible and it's like if that's your goal and you have an aesthetic based goal absolutely that's fine but health and fitness to me is i actually want to be a business owner who can get out of bed and has got energy in the morning in 30 years time i want to get up off the toilet without someone having to help me mm. I actually want to be able to play football and not be injured all the time, which actually is quite hilarious because I'm actually injured quite a lot of the minute. <laughs> but I want to be injured all the time, but I know what I'm doing in my training program is relative to how I feel. See, they're goals that not a lot of people would have, isn't it? But that's a lot what, of people have aesthetic goals. Yeah, and I think, but then that's why it is the coach's job and duty in the beginning to explore that with the client, why that's important to them. So if you came to me and you said, um, like, what did you say to this guy that your goal was when you first started? That I did want to look more shredded. You wanted to look more shredded? Okay. Yeah. Why is that important to you, Dev? That was the thing. Now you're asking me, I don't know. But it's like, until you go into a layer deeper, you're yeah. never going to know the difference between this extrinsic and intrinsic motivation. Why is that important to you? If it's just like, well, I want to put it on Instagram so I can get some likes. It's like, cool. So what? You probably get, you could go through that process, learn absolutely nothing about health and fitness, maybe come out the other side despising it because mm. you've learned absolutely nothing and then go, the gym's not for me because that was your experience of it. Whereas actually, if you said, do you know what? I actually would like to get shredded. Why is that important to you? Well, do you know what? Over the last few years, I felt like I've really struggled with my body image or um, like I've never felt like I fully like felt confident in myself. Why is that important to you? Well, do you know what? It's my job. I've got my business owner, confidence is really important to me. I wanna I wanna feel great. Okay, so does looking great and feeling great correlate to you? Yeah, I guess it does a bit. Or well, why is that important to you? And it, you can go deeper on a level. It's the upstream method, isn't it? You just you just know so much more about that person so that you can go into it. And if people have aesthetic based goals, I'm not naive to think that people don't have aesthetic based goals. Like we're living in a world where everything is driven by image. But if you do not know the true intention behind why you're doing something, you will come out the other side of something, resenting it, or feel like you've learned absolutely nothing, and then just think that's not for you. It's like, okay, so for the rest of your life, are you saying health and fitness isn't for you because you had a 10-week experience? I'm saying gym and nutrition isn't for me. Yeah, yeah, and do you know what? And, and it doesn't have to come in the gym. Remember, people got fit before the gym, right? But nutrition as well, it's like, how interesting would it be to explore what foods give you the most energy energy to get through the day and feel like you're the most productive and best at your job? Mm. Oh, I didn't, I didn't explore that. I just kept reducing my calories. Mm. Okay. But like you said, one of your goals was you want to feel great in business and stuff like that. So maybe important that we kind of work out what breakfast gets you through a morning of like calls and meetings where you feel amazing. Okay, that's, that's quite important. Or actually like what foods fill you up for really long because it's going to stop you grazing and snacking, which maybe is one of the things that you were like, oh, God, that's really letting my, make me down at the minute. Mm. So it's like, until you ask the right questions to somebody, you're never going to actually find that out. So that's the difference between me. What I think is like coaching and just being a coach. Remember like 
being a coach is being able to ask good questions to somebody. People are paying you for, for your advice and guidance, but you're never going to be able to guide them if you don't know more about them. So that initial part of spending time, like all my clients, I spend quite a lot of time getting to know them. Like we go out for a coffee mm. and they first sign up. If they if they live further away, we'll do a Zoom. Um, if they live a little bit nearer, sometimes they'll come see me and we'll do a movement assessment together so I can see them. If they live further away, they can come travel and see me. We'll do little bits like screen recordings and stuff throughout the sessions. So it's like, it's that's the individual element for me. It's quite interesting that you said earlier you binned off psychology, yet I feel like you've took yeah. a very therapeutic approach mm. to other coaches. Yeah, well, I think as well, you've got to remember that, and this isn't this isn't something I've come up with, but the, the biosocial, biopsychosocial model, which is like as humans, there's an element of us which is biology-based, our age, our gender, our digestion. There's the psychology part, which is like how you've approached life so far, um, your experiences that have led you to this point. Like, why don't you like nutrition? Why don't you like the gym? All those things that make you the person that you are, whether you're a hard worker or you see yourself as something different, your self-belief. And then the social part, which is like your friends who you spend time with, your culture, um, your environment in the workday. All of those things make up that person that they are. So to, for me, just to blanket give you calories in a workout, I'm not doing my job right. I don't think I am. Mm. But it's almost like that's the ethics thing. I feel like it is my duty you value of care. A lot more. Yeah. Um, but I do value a lot of like the psychology part. Like mindset is really important to me. I only work with females majority of the time. And I think they often have quite a lot of emotion attached to fitness. So I like like health and fitness and nutrition. So I love being able to explore that with them. Um, like, okay, well, like, why do you feel like that? And sometimes like my clients will say, God, this feels like a therapy session. And I'm like, that's it's not- literally what I thought as you was talking me yeah, through that process. But it's, it's not, I'm, like, I'm very clear. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't, I'm not a therapist. I didn't study that. But I give people the space to be able to answer questions that no one else has asked them because their friends and stuff and family won't ask that type of questions because yeah, why yeah. would you? So they ask, they're answering questions that they haven't ever answered before. So it almost feels like therapy because we're, we're giving space. That's what they mean. They don't mean I'm trying to guide them and like yeah, yeah, yeah. psychoanalyze them. They're not mean that. I don't, I'm just asking questions. Um, and I think people, that's all people want, right? To feel seen, to feel like this person understands me. And then that allows me to help guide them in the direction that I think we should go. But it's const it's a collaborative relationship. It's not me going, give me 10 burpees. Or yeah, like, yeah, yeah. or like, <laughs> here's a plan. Why have you not eaten your macros? Why have you not hit your steps? Why have you not done this? It's like, that's not coaching. That's just been a dictator. Yeah. So what happens when the dictator is removed? Person goes back to square one. Yeah. So it's like, if, if you can help that person understand themselves better, the behaviors that they then go on to lead later in life are going to be sculpted by their own choice and they're going to be more inclined to stick. Um, that's just how I, how I view it anyway. So in an aesthetic world, do you think that that has, your approach has a negative effect on you as a business person? No, I don't think so. I think I've done, I've done the whole, and, and this is where I can kind of reflect from both sides of it, which is I have done the whole sharing photos of people and stuff. As a marketing tool, social proof works really well. We know this, but that social proof gives me the ick because it's basically saying that this person looked worse before. Yeah. When, as how, we know... How did they feel? Yeah. 
someone could lose 10 stone, right? I could put a transformation photo up on my page and go, look at this person. That person could be depressed. They could have a disease. They could be going through a terminal illness, but they've lost weight. So everyone celebrates so it. So on the front, that's all that matters. And everyone gives them a round of applause, yeah. yeah. And it's like, it's not hard to tell people to move more and eat less. That's not a, that's not a skill. Yeah. So it's like, but everyone thinks it is. Um, that's the difficulty I find with the aesthetic coaches. It's like when I told my girlfriend, I said, why are you doing a plan like that? I'm not qualified and I can literally tell you, you don't move enough and you eat too much. Mm, so why is it that the aesthetic coaches work? The aesthetic coaches work because I think they sell the dream, right? They sell the dream of like, you can, t- you too can look like this. But like you mentioned, those group programs that have 100 people go in, three, five transformation photos come out the other side. But that's all you see. It's a production line. It's like, get everybody in. Let's see the small percentage that come out the other side. Let's use them to sell the dream this summer, next new year. Just keep regurgitating them. And you'll see it. If you look out on those coaches' social media, you'll see them. Those those photos come up time and time again. They're they're still there. The same ones are still there. Um, But it's like, that's not a skill. Uh, It also, I don't know, I find it difficult because it, it... like I say, it reinforces the idea that some people are better now they've changed, whereas that could be couldn't be further from the truth. They could still be they're still exactly the same person. People still love them the same. Like it's just that they in today's world, thinner bodies are prioritized. That's just the world that we live in. Mm. It's like go like go anywhere in the world and you will see that it's like it's it's prioritized to be in a thinner body Mm. um but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's health and i think that's why people get it twisted people think health is being as skinny as you can whereas that's incorrect people think it's also being as like fit as you can whereas i know coaches online who don't eat that great and live a quite unhealthy lifestyle but they have a six-pack well i remember alex bowen do you know Alex Bowen? Yeah, the guy from Love Island, Love Island right? Yeah. yeah. So he openly says, like, my diet is not great. Yeah. But his body is shredded. Some pe- again, so again, that's the other thing. People forget that there's a large proportion of it is genetics. So people sell this dream of, like, if you do this, then you can look this way. The other thing with photos. You too can look this way. And it's like, yeah, but you can't. Like, I'm genetically disposed probably not to have a six-pack. Yeah. I'm quite short in my torso. I retain more of my body fat around my stomach. But I'm lean as hell on my arms. I've got triceps for days, mm. right? I don't even think I've trained triceps in about four years, but my triceps still pop. I'm the same with my abs. Like I never lose my abs and I've done nothing. But then that's what I mean. It's 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 not that I, I could go online and be like, guys, buy my tricep program. Yeah. But it doesn't mean anything because yeah. it's just the way that my body is. So it's like that that it just sells a dream that doesn't necessarily exist. It ca- gets people in the numbers game, gets as many people in as it can for a low price model. And what tends to happen is I will work with those clients in a few years' time, once they've done that a few times. That's, that's if, like, I can save them a lot of heartache and stuff now, but that's the difficulty. Mm. Um, and I think it does require you to be in a certain headspace to be able to look past all that and go, oh, something seems off here. Something's giving me a bit of a weird feeling. It's maybe a benefit then that these people exist because then it makes the job you do that much more yeah respectable i think i think rewarding probably yeah. for myself 
I think I wouldn't be in coaching if my job was to tell someone the calories, give them a step count, distribute the same program, and just ask for them a picks in their underwear for the next 50 years of my career. Hmm. Well, maybe that's a bit of an exaggeration. 30 years of my yeah. career. But I'd be like, but it's a money where's machine, my next? isn't it? Yeah, where, yeah, and those people might be happy, the fact that they make loads of money, they retire, and they think, well, whatever. It doesn't matter about everybody else. But I always think it's like the Dunning-Kruger effect. Those people either know better and they're still doing it anyway, or have you heard of like the Dunning-Kruger effect? So it's like competence along the bottom, right. confidence up the side, right? You have that huge spike right at the beginning and loads of people are at like this, the peak of confidence. They feel like they know everything, right? You might get it in your industry, the same where it's like, you see the people and you're like, these guys are nothing, but they think they know everything. And I think a lot of coaches early in that point where they're like, yeah, I know everything. And then you, you get a sh shock to reality, which is when you realize your competence isn't that great and you fall off that cliff of confidence and you're like, whoa, like the imposter syndrome bit. Yeah. And it's awful. I don't know anything. But it's awful being there. We've all been through it. I've been through it. I thought I knew quite a lot about fitness and I regularly got humbled, which is great because then you realize what you don't know and then that enables you to learn what you need to know. Whereas a lot of people go around with blinkers on and they just think, well, like I'm, I know everything. Like I literally know everything. And other people are looking at them like, are they for real? Like yeah. they think they know everything. But it's like some of those people will, will die on the peak of Mount Stupids where they think like they, they know everything and they might retire really happy with money in the bank or whatever, but they'll leave a trail of people behind them that have been their fit, health and fitness. One of the most important things in your life that you could prioritize and you're giving it to bloody Coach John or whatever his name is, who's just got a six pack, yeah. like, and takes roids. Cool. It's your health and fitness. If you're in, if you actually are serious about it, and you don't put any research into the person. No, or anything. it's like someone going, oh, I've got, I've got like ten grand in savings. Here you go, crypto that I've never looked at before. Yeah. Launching it at it, and then going, oh, I've lost all my money. That's a shame. It's like, do your research. Mm. These people are like charlatans online. A lot of them ask the right questions as well. Like we had this conversation on our podcast the other week saying how like, again, it's, it's something so important with like your money, you go to a financial advisor with your health, like ask this person, like, so how long have you been coaching for? Like, why, why are you in, do you like the answers that they're giving you? It's weird. Cause no questions get asked. It literally is. How does the Instagram profile look? Yeah. It's just, that's it. It genuinely is. It's just all smoke and mirrors. And it's like, it's, it's terrible. I've been in uh, business mentorships with other coaches where coaches have said they can't afford, I say coaches, that shouldn't even be the word that I use for them, but coaches have said I can't afford to do the PT qualification, but I invested in the business mentorship first so I could make some money and taking on clients and giving them fitness advice. With no PT. With no qualifications. Yeah. It's the most unregulated industry it out is. there. It's crazy. It's um, it, it, someone like a, a really good friend said to me not long ago, it's like in any other job, if you did what you did in the fitness industry, like unethical, messed with someone's health, hurt somebody, like was harmful, you would get a disciplinary. In the fitness industry, you get a round of applause on social media. Look at this person, I got an eating disorder. Oh, so yeah. good, well done. It's like, what? It's an echo chamber. And these, this is why the coaches stay at this peak mm. of like confidence because their echo chamber is telling them they're doing a good job. And it's like, it's do, just Do you think mad. at times, and it, it, 
it's like you said, do, do they know they're doing it and they're just choosing to ignore it? Or do you think that maybe even they're stuck I think, in this mental rut of people think, are complimenting yeah. me all the time. People are paying for my courses. I must yeah. be good. Yeah, I think that's the issue. I think a lot of people don't know. Um, and, and I can relate to that in a way that there was a period where I feel like I would have maybe been like overconfident in what I was doing and saying. And actually, I, I shouldn't have had the right to say that. And I've learned the hard way. And I, I would like to be hopeful that there are a lot of people who are in a similar position to me. Hmm. But then I look at some of these people who have been doing it twice as long as me. And they probably who, have realised and not changed. Yeah, not changed, don't invest in their education, don't want to learn anymore. Like, they, they know everything. And it's like, we all know what those people were like at school who knew everything. Yeah. It's like, oh, you do, you do my head in. <laughs> like, you, you like, when they're just like, oh, I can't learn, or they're really stubborn or whatever. Mm. But it's, it's the echo chamber, and it's, it's so hard because then it just feeds, it's like a it's just like a disease it just gets fed and fed and fed and in and then it, it's so it's so hard to stop but that's why i think but there should be self-responsibility which is like if your echo chamber is social media and that's the only feedback that you get in something's wrong there if you're only if like we said i don't get any feedback off my friends or family whether i'm a good person i just get it off the amount of likes that i get on social media you'd say that's a bit warped mate that's mm. That's a bit weird that you're only relying on like how how like many likes you get or the engagement. But in the coaching world, we're like, oh yeah, they should know better. But it's like, we need to do better as well. I'm saying this, by the way, from a, po a point of like, I've learned a lot recently, like in the last three years, like I've really like realized what I didn't know. And that's been a really hard journey to like come to that point because I went through that like pit of despair where I was yeah. like, oh, holy hell, what have I done? Like maybe there was some like, like have I given some bad advice in the past or should I, I should have done that better? Because you're thinking you're one of them people that have maybe not hurt somebody physically, but yeah. not and, done the right thing for somebody's body. Yeah, well, yeah, well, you know, in a way of like when you first start coaching, you're constantly learning where you're like, you might give an exercise, which now I'd look back and be like, oh God, I wouldn't have given that now, but only because I know more, not because I ever did it because I was being lazy or yeah. incompetent. It's like the the competence in like the unconsciously incompetent scale that one. Mm. It's like that, which is like just reminding yourself of sometimes you are unconscious and you are incompetent, and there's nothing wrong with that because you don't know. Yeah. But then when you become consciously incompetent, there's a problem. There's a problem yeah. Because you are aware that you're doing wrong, and I think that's the point where I think there's a problem with the industry where a lot of people know they're doing wrong, but they're like, I'm making money. See you later. Don't matter. It's like, it's people's health. It's so bad. So how do you think that gets regulated? It doesn't. It doesn't. So you, you don't think there's ever a future where the health and fitness industry is regulated? I think I'll struggle it, to see it within my coaching career. Right. But um, hopefully there is a future of that. But like the, you, you, you do a level three PT qualification, which is, I think, like A level or AS level. I don't know. You're probably younger than me, so that's probably changed since you were at college. But it still is. The same. Level, I was like, oh God, I think it's just school that's changed. It's no longer GCSEs. I don't think it's so like, like ones and twos. Well, and yeah, I don't get that. <laughs> yeah, it makes me feel old when I hear that. Um, there's a few girls in my football team who are like 17. I'm like, oh, Talk God, about the ones yeah. and twos. It's like, I'm oh. like, oh God, I have no idea. Um, but yeah, so, uh, so with the. What was you saying? What was the question? About the regulations. How to regulate yeah, so with the, I, I don't think the fitness industry will industry will improve in its regulations for a long time because it's it is so hard to. I think social media hasn't helped with that. 
Um, that maybe is the only way to regulate it. Yeah, take it, away that image. Yeah, I think I think that's the that's the difficulty. Um, is people are becoming like marketeers over coaches, and they're saying what people want to hear, even if it's not what they can actually give them. So, like one thing that we say quite a bit on our podcast is the people who say, "I can help you lose twenty pounds, thirty pounds, whatever," whilst not giving up the food, restricting your food. And it's like, well. In order to lose weight, what do you need to do? You need to be in a deficit. What's the deficit? It's restriction. So it's like, well, that's a lie. Yeah. Or, or I will give you this for life. I will give you fat loss for life. What if that person goes through a period of depression and they gain body fat again? How can you guarantee something that doesn't you have no control over? Mm. So it's like, it's just the guarantees and stuff. It's, it's just a really weird place to be in at the moment. It's like... I would like to think the the skills and the tools that I give my clients helps them go on to create longer lasting change. But I can't guarantee that in 20 years time, they're gonna yeah. be somewhere different in their life. But I would like to think that the time that they spend with me, cause it's not a six week thing. I don't do like a six week program. I'm very clear about that. Is, is helpful and instrumental in building behaviors that last longer. Mm. So yeah, I think that's it. Um, but yeah, hope, hopefully there's here's to hoping that will be more regulated, but so how do you navigate your way through it as not one of those people who are market central? How do you navigate and gain your client base? How have you become the success you've become in this marketed world? I think I have always just tried to be myself. That's probably the biggest pro anybody can have, I think. Yeah, I think I've always just tried to be myself. I've always been honest and I've always been like very client focused, hence the brand self. So I've always prioritized the relationships and the time that I spend with clients. And I think that's the reason that self has been as successful as it has in such a short space of time is, is yeah, I'm not, I'm not smoking mirrors. I don't pretend to be something I'm not. I don't pretend to be someone who's going to get you shredded in six to eight weeks. You might see significant change in yourself, but I don't put those taglines yeah, on it because... Me that's not the be all and end all and everyone's goal is different really so like I said I, I work with people who are in the like mid 20s to late 60s so it's like people like obviously the marketing world tells give, you you can't give that yeah. flat course to a 60 year old that you want a 20 year old exactly and people tell you like obviously have a niche and there's certain type of people that I like to work with or that I tend to feel like I gravitate towards me and that's just normal but it also doesn't mean that they're the only type of people that I work with um I feel like I work with women who are curious about the health, who are quite ambitious about the health and want to see some sort of benefit in the future. Not, I want to see a benefit for six weeks and then, and I'll see you again next year to do the same thing again. Mm. It's like, okay. And I'll, I'll be honest, if someone comes on the phone with me and when we have like that zoom consult in the beginning and they say that, like, that's what they're after. I'll say, you'll find loads of other coaches that will be, that will help you with that. Personally, it's not something that, so that aligns with me. So, and and I, I don't I feel like that's something that's happened over time. Is like my confidence has grown to to say no to certain people if I don't think I'm going to be right for them because it's them. They're spending their money as well. I feel like they'd appreciate that more as well. That may mean that once they're finished with their aesthetic journey mm. and they want to look deeper into it, that you would then be a, a big option because you've been honest enough to yeah. say the aesthetic part isn't for me. Yeah, and I think it's hard though because it's like the aesthetic thing. I work with clients who have changed their aesthetics over time 
but it just hasn't been their only focus. That's not your market. No, it's just not, it's not the be all and end all. Because if I only ever help people feel like the gym is about aesthetics, then guess what? They'll when they get to a certain point or when they're not bothered about that anymore, they'll stop doing it. Yeah. Whereas if I can help them see the benefit of, actually, do you know if um, we're training in the gym, we're going to help build a stronger chance of joint support in the future. We're going to reduce your chance of osteopor- osteoporosis and brittle bone disease. We're going to build a healthy cardiovascular system, so you're going to be less likely to have a heart attack. We're also going to regulate your insulin sensitivity so you might um, not face diabetes in later life. We're also going to be able to help make you more functional. You know, you get back at work all the time. Isn't that a nightmare? You know, when you're trying to pick your kids up and you're wonky because you only lift them up on one side, that's frustrating, isn't it? You want to be able to run around the park with your your kid or your dog and not be out of breath because that's important to you. You do want to go on holiday and you do want to look good in a bikini, but because you want to feel like you want to have photos with your family, you can reflect back on in the future. Not because you're doing it just for some extrinsic gratification of Likes. likes. So if someone said to me, I want to look great in a bikini, I go, why? Oh, I just never get in any photos with my family anymore and it's really getting me down. Okay, cool. Makes sense. It's an extrinsic based goal because it is aesthetic, but it's intrinsically means something to you. Yeah. If I can help people bridge the gap on that, I think there's nothing wrong with having an aesthetic based goal, but it has to make sense for you. It can't just be this like hollow super. It's like when people say, when I make X amount of money, I'll be happy. It's like, have you ever had that feeling yeah. though when you no, get you there? Don't. Yeah, exactly. I've had, I've said that. I had a goal for my business of reach X amount of revenue. I hit it. And my missus took me out for a meal, but even I was just like, like, I was literally like, is this it? Well, that was fun. But you do that. I remember being like, when I first graduated and I was like, when I earn X amount by this age, I'll be well happy. And I hit it before I was that age. And I was like, oh, that was nothing. Or when I get this car. And it's again, it's like, those things are meaningless because they're just quite materialistic. Because if you can bring it back to why it actually has a purpose or means something to you, you'll be so much more satisfied when you get there and more likely to keep it on. It's the whole metaphor of the the person who enjoys walking will go much further than the person who just wants to get to the destination. Yeah. So it's like, if your destination is... I'm going to go six... back to your TED Talk with that because you said about the mountain and the yeah. helicopter. So you said, would we take a helicopter to the top of a mountain? Would we enjoy the view as much, basically? Mm. No, you wouldn't because the journey up the mountain yeah. makes the view much better. Would you agree? A hundred percent. I literally thought of it like literally as well. I was thinking if I walked up a mountain. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure a helicopter ride would be sick. But if you imagine going with like your friends or your partner or whatever, or like even doing it as like a solo thing, you'd get to the top and you'd just be like, yes. You would sit there this, for hours. Yeah, you'd enjoy it. Whereas a helicopter journey, I bet you'd get out, you'd go, that, that was, was nice. nice. And then jump straight back in. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it is, it's, it's that destination mindset can really let us down sometimes, which is the whole, I will be happy when I lose weight. I will be happy when I look a certain way. And it's like, if we always put all our hopes yeah, and dreams on this one thing, then when we get there, we realize, and I've had many clients who have worked with me over the years who have even said, I thought that's what I would, I would feel like. And I got there and I just realized it was like, it was something, but it wasn't anything special. But because we'd worked on all the other stuff, it kept them going. Like they wanted to get to a certain size or whatever. It was one of their goals. They had a few others. It was still there in the background, but then they got there and they were like, I'm not really bothered about that anymore because I actually really enjoy training or I really enjoy like learning about how this works or whatever it is for them. Um, And I'm also aware like not everyone cares about health and fitness as much as I do. So I don't need to make someone feel like 
obsessed. Obsessed with it, yeah. If actually if I can get someone into the gym a couple of times a week, they're moving well, they're feeling good, and it's filtering into other areas of their life where they're a happier person around their kids or they're doing well at work because they're more energised, they're more productive, they feel like they've got a sense of purpose, something for themselves, like I mentioned at the beginning, then that's amazing. You can't bottle that. I can't put that on an Instagram caption. No, that's a feeling you have. Yeah, and it's like, that's that's the thing. And I think that's the why when I work with people and why it's so successful is because people, like, they struggle to even express what that means to them because it is so unique. Mm. Um, but yeah, makes me very grateful to do the job that I do. I suppose that is better than seeing Instagram posts is seeing someone's feeling of their life is in a much better place in the long term yeah. rather than taking Instagram posts and going, oh, I've got a six pack, nice. Yeah, and, and I think, yeah, it's like, yeah, it, just, it, it it's nice feeling like I've made some sort of um, impact on their life in order of the direction that it's heading um, and not in a like a saviour mentality way, which is I think another problem with Instagram, which is like, look at me, I'm the saviour to help I you with all this. Person. Yeah, I <laughs> saved this person. But instead like, oh, that's cool that I, I, helped, I helped that person. But more so like, I helped them help themselves. That's, yeah, that's... It wasn't that I dragged them there. It was that I was like in the car next to them in the passenger seat. Like, do you think we should go that way and let you drive that way? And I yeah, reckon yeah. that would be good. And then they do it and they're like, oh my God, that was so good. It's like, you're almost guiding him. Like the mountain analogy that we say, I sometimes think of it as like, I view myself as like the Sherpa role. Hmm. There's someone who's like, that's the best path that I think we should go down, but you're the person that's leading like this expedition. So you go, yeah. I'll be right behind you. And they're like, okay. And it helps people feel more in charge of like their own like destiny, if you want to call it that. People feel more like autonomous. And in in doing so, in the future, they're going to be more inclined to stick to it because they're like, I chose this. The habit was created by them. Yeah, Jess didn't choose this for me. I chose this life. This was something I wanted to do. And Jess kind of like helped me find out what was the easiest path to get there. Um, Yeah, like autonomy is such a big one, I think. And that's the other problem with certain coaches. It's like they don't teach autonomy because as soon as they go, everyone goes back to square one. Yeah. It's just like, ah. So if someone's not on your back every week telling you that you've not done your steps or you've not tracked your food or if you've not done this. That is what my girlfriend said, that she needs that someone just digging at her. Yeah, and I think I think when you ask someone why that is, though, it's like accountability. I feel like I need someone to hold me accountable. But I don't think it's that. I think it's like if that person doesn't know their true reason in the beginning, they think they need someone peppering them like a drill sergeant the whole time. Whereas actually what they do need is maybe just to understand their own reasons better. It's like having someone there to support you is, of course, super helpful. And I speak with my clients weekly in that way. But it's like, I'm not there to be like, why haven't you done your workout? Why have you not done this? Because it's like, you're paying me because you want to do this. And I, and that's my job to help you with that. Not mm. to like, like I say, drag you there kicking and screaming. It's like the whole, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Make it drink yeah. So it's like... If someone's saying they want to do something, I shouldn't be like trying to dunk the head in the water, like drink, <laughs> drink the water. It's like, you said you wanted to do this. Yeah. So let's do this. But if there's any point, they're like, mm, it's not right for me. And that has happened as well, where I've worked with clients and maybe the time's not been right. And they're like, I've got just so much going on right now. Like, 
moving house or I've had a huge shift in career or I've been made redundant or whatever and like things have just really changed and I just can't, can't give this mother headspace right now. I'm like, cool, fine. Like, like if your priorities are like work, family, other things and health and fitness is down here, that's of course going to just get dumped down the league table a little bit yeah. when other things come up and that's fine. But you need to be able to then go... I'm ready to pick that up again at some point in the future. If you're health and fitness, if you want to feel good, if you want to have a life of like moving well and things mm. like that, you probably have to pick it up again at some point in the future, if not now. Um, and a lot of those clients will put a pin in it and they'll just come back anyway. So that always is nice that I've got that relationship with them to do that. So, so what would be your approach to a person who just comes to you and I know you said that you would tell them you're not the person for them but how would you alternatively approach them if they said Jess I just want to I think I'm a bit fat I want to look good when I take an Instagram picture with my mates how do you approach that person I would say why I would put the question back to them it's like why is that important to you so like why why is it important to you if you're this person I'm trying to think if I was that person (laughs) Because it may be that Instagram is the thing, but it say they say, because all my friends on holiday have got lovely bodies, I feel like the fat one. Okay. And why do you think that is that affects you so much? Probably because, say I'm a single girl, I'm not getting the attention they're getting. Okay. And like, why is that important to you? Because it's nice to feel loved. Okay. Cool. So actually, we've gone from I feel fat, I need to change to I need to feel loved. So having a health and fitness coach, can I help that person feel loved? No. No. You're not a therapist. Are you? I'm not a therapist. <laughs> However, what I can't we can talk about is like, okay, so if you do want to change your body in some sort of shape or form, or if we are, it's really hard. If we are um, working towards you feeling better. Well, I do know that actually looking after your health, moving in the gym, uh, prioritizing your well-being can have positive impacts on body image, on the way you feel, understanding the utility of your body as well as what it looks like. I wouldn't maybe say that to her, but maybe that's the, the thought process that I'm going down. Mm. But it's like, again, it's it's understanding that person's why from the beginning is what creates the relationship that I then have with them to guide them maybe down the path that I think they would need help with. But if it is in an instance from the off that that person's like, I just feel horrendous. I feel like I need to feel love. I feel like I need validation to lose weight because the skinny aesthetic is what gets like a mate in the modern world. It's like, again, it's like, am I helping her by doing that? Or am I doing it a disservice? Because By feeding into that. By feeding into it. So it's like, I wouldn't necessarily like try and say, I'm not the coach for you straight away, but I would probably ask better questions to try and suss out what that is. And sometimes you'll get people who are like, won't entertain it because maybe they don't think about those things deeply enough. But I would encourage them to go away and have a think about why they feel that way. Um, and people do, people do maybe feel better when they look a bit different. Like we all feel comfortable in our own skin at certain places, whether that's like certain times of the month for a female or mm. whether that's like a guy when they've been working hard on the business and everything's going really well in their life and they like have got a really great relationship or whatever it is, we all feel great at a certain point. 
but like the way that you look is just one small piece of the puzzle. It seems weird to make that a focus for everything. But society has, hasn't it? Yeah, but society has. And it's like, again, I have nothing wrong with people wanting to look a certain way, but there just needs to be correct intention. Um, it's like it needs to make sense. Because if not, you get to that point where you go, I'll be happy when. And then you get there and you go, I'm still not happy. This is so annoying. Mm. And it's like, I never promised you that. Mm. You believed that because of your biases, of the way that you've got to that point. And it may be that you f you view your friends as prettier than you, or when you were younger and you looked a certain way and you looked different to the way you do now, you had more attention or you viewed that you were happier. I had this co exact conversation with a client not long ago and she said that she wanted to lose weight. It was one of her goals, right? It was one of the many goals. She said, I, wanted to lose I wanna lose weight. And I said, can you remember the last time that you were at a place where you felt happy with your weight? And she sat there and she went, no. And I said, right, so you're telling me you want to lose like two stone or whatever. But when was the last, that that period of time was like three, four years ago. But you've told me you weren't, you weren't even happy then. So what makes you think you're going to be happy this time? She literally sat there and she was like, I don't even know. People don't like them questions, do they? No. Like because, the why questions. Yeah, because it makes you be like, oh God, I don't even know why I think that. Because it's tough really hard to like hold up a mirror to yourself and be like 100%. why are you doing this why, why do you think like that um and yeah it is it's a really difficult one but until you understand yourself better and why you think certain things you just keep going around in circles like forever so your biggest advice is figure out your why before you pull yeah it's like the whole thing. simon sinek thing right he does the golden circle he's massive on that it's like the what is on the outside lose weight, whatever it might be, get a six pack, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, how am I gonna do that? I'm gonna go to the gym three times a week. I'm gonna be in a calorie deficit. I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. Okay, well, why? Why are you doing that? Because that's at the core. And until you know that, the other stuff is just like flimsy. We see brands do it all the time. Like the most successful brands do it really well because they make you connect to it. But those that do it poorly, like you just you just go well that was I'll disregard that yeah something's not right you'll know that in the industry yeah, that you're yeah. in it's like you can see the brands that people gravitate towards who look like the, the why is so important it's the same for us we're still human it's like all behavioral psychology isn't it hmm. yeah you smell for smiling yeah because <laughs> you, you talk about psychology not being a thing but you're so psychology like <laughs> the way you talk is so psychology based that's why I'm smiling all the time because everything's like mental well I didn't I didn't I dropped it at college, but then I probably had an interest in it as I went and did my career in fitness. Um, so I've done like uh, health mindset certification, which is all around like behavior um, studies and research and psychology models and stuff like that, but uh, applicable to fitness. And that's yeah. what I like about it because it like it brings it back to what I actually cared about probably then, which is like why we do it. Um, so yeah, I do. I am interested in that type of thing that side of things but um yeah it's just i just find people fascinating and i think that's why i'm in the job i'm in i'm in yeah, a people-based industry people the whole time, yeah because yeah, i just i just think everyone's no two people are the same which is why it would be pointless me giving everyone the same program exactly whether that's how they move how they feel how they think how they act how they behave all the experiences that they've had in their life like when i have that initial consult with clients i have like a 60 to 90 minute consult where i sit down with them we just talk about them I just ask them questions and I love it like I just find it so fascinating and, and I just literally like scroll down because people are just so fascinating 
to think that we think I can do that same diet as Janet. I can do follow that same workout plan that John's doing. And it's like, hold on a second. You just told me here that you had a really disordered eating um, growing up. Your mum would say to you that you weren't allowed to eat the table, uh, leave the table until you'd eaten everything. Or actually certain things were only allowed at certain times. Or you were put on a diet when you were six. How do you think that's impacted you now? Oh, well, I'm just going to do that meal plan that they gave me, though. <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah. It's like, what? How's that going to work? Disregard oh. everything of your childhood, which has shaped you how you are. Yeah, exactly. Or, oh, by the way, yeah, I had a, I had a car accident when I was 16. Um, I fell off a horse when I was whatever. Or um, I spent a lot of my day sat down at a desk. Or um, I've actually got really bad back pain, et cetera, et cetera. Just do three sets of 12 bicep kills, mate. <laughs> What? <laughs> like, okay, cool, sound. Yeah, great. That's going to help me. That's yeah. going to help me feel like I'm making progress. It's like, yeah, it's just twisted. And we all move in different ways. We've all got different limb lengths. We've all got different bodies. We've all like our, our bodies proportion differently. Some things we find harder. Some things we find easier. Some, some muscles engage easier than others. So it's like, again, blanket plans, blanket advice. It's like, it'll get you maybe to a point. But then if you want to actually understand yourself better and you feel like something's still missing, that's probably a sign that you need to get a bit more tailored to yourself. Mm. Yeah. You just spoke about feel then, and that kind of led me on to a topic I want to talk to you about, mm. which is technology. Yeah. Now, that's what your TEDx talk was kind of shifted towards. Yeah. And the reason why the word feel threw to me was because you created like your own Apple Watch rings. I did. Which was feel, experience, and I forgot the third think. one. And think. Yeah. So what's your opinion then on technology? I have a Whoop strap. Have you heard of Whoop? I have had a Whoop before. Um, and I do wear an Apple Watch. So I can't like slate it too much because I have I do like mine. But I am a bit of a, speaking of brands, love Apple. Like I'm just a bit like, I like having my Mac that connects to my that phone, that connects same, to my yeah. watch. So yeah, it has like multi-purpose in my life. But... With technology and fitness, I think it can be helpful to a point. I do think that. However, you see it so much where people just lose the vision of what they should be doing and feeling because technology has told them. So when I had a whoop, mine ended up breaking on me. So I kind of twice. So that made me be like the product's uh. not very good. So I just got rid of it. And then also kind of explored more of this pattern that I saw with clients and thinking... Why are we seeing so much dependency on these, these things? Yeah, the rings and things like that. So with the the whoop strap as an example, it's like you might get up in the morning and you might be like, ready, I'm going to go smash today. I, would, I was going to wait for you to talk about the rings and then I was going to say that exact thing. But then you look at your thing and it goes, oh, it says I'm only X percent You've ready today. You literally took the words out of my mouth. So then it changes your perception of how you feel. And I think it's like, it's like, that's, I understand data and obviously like being in the industry you're in, like data is great. You can predict how things are going to go. You can move campaigns in a certain direction, etc. But that's not your body. Like your body is literally like this wonderful organism that's constantly changing throughout the day to keep you in balance. Whether like you you get a fever and you get poorly, it's like all oh, your body like focuses its attention to that to try and fight it in defenses. Or whether you get injured, your body inflames in that area to protect yourself or whatever it might be. It's like we forget that it's just constantly working to balance ourselves out. And then we go, oh, the watch said so. And it's like the watch that knows your age, weight and height. 
wow, it knows a lot about it. It's like reading a horoscope. It's like from yeah. a newspaper. All it right, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, oh, cool. Today I'm going to feel really sad. Great. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's now like, I feel sad. Yeah, no. Which oh, is should... the same thing about the whoop strap. Like, I wake up and it says, oh, 30% recovered. I think, oh, yeah, I'm a bit tired, actually. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is like, um, I can't remember the psychology theory, um, but it's basically, um, say you, you're looking for a new car and you're like, I really want to get that Audi or whatever. I really want to get that Audi. And then everywhere you go around town, you see the Audi everywhere. Whereas that Audi has always been there, but your awareness is heightened, so you see it all the time. So it's the That's same. so true. But I think it's the same with technology in the sense that if you think you are going to be tired for the day because it's told you so, you will then be like, yeah, I'm really tired today. Really noticing that or whatever that might be. And in the same way that they can create dependency that we no longer trust our body. Like, oh, I've only done 9,000 steps today. My goal is 10,000 because it's telling me I need to do 10,000. It's so, a form of OCD, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so I'm going to do it. Like I said, I think I said in my TEDx, like my partner. Like your partner doing yeah, the steps he, on the doing steps on the landing. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I just can't, I can't help it. It's like, a, but he's very much like that. He's like, when we first got together and he played like, like PlayStation or whatever, he'd have to like make sure he completed everything or whatever. So he's, he's wired that way. And if you are wired that way, it can be very, very detrimental. Um, and that's where Apple have smashed it, I think. Yeah, and it's and and they make out like it's a lot of it is like holistic, like they're like, oh, we can check your heart rate variability, and we can tell you VO two max. We can really help you in that way. But it's like ultimately they're trying to create dependency on a product, which is what they did amazing with the iPhone. Like it's that's what they've tried to do, and they've accomplished it. Um, but it is freeing to be without every now and again. Like when I went on holiday to Ibiza in September last year. I just didn't wear my watch the whole time because I had no need to. I wasn't like training clients, which I normally use it for to like time them and things like that. I wasn't doing any long runs, so I didn't need to do my distance. I tried to switch off from work a bit, so I didn't need to notifications. Yeah. So I was like, well, actually, I don't use it for anything else apart from those. So I'm not going to wear it. I don't want to watch Tamline either. That's cringe. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, it's fine. And I feel like my, my fella has got a massive watch Tamline from golf. But, um, but yeah, so I just, I think it's, removing it away from that it's the same with like tracking apps for food it's like you get to the end of the day and you're like oh i've got 100 calories left it's like but are you hungry yeah you'll eat the 100 calories won't you because, because you've been told you can so. yeah or you'd be fuming if you've gone over but you are still hungry well what if that day you've done twenty thousand steps i'm using steps just to emphasize the amount of activity yeah you've done twenty thousand steps and you lifted loads of boxes of course you're gonna be more hungry you've done loads more so it's like you can't then just say, "Oh, I only tweak this much today," and that's that's where I am at. It's like, it's it's just it's just weird. We just we've just taken ourselves totally out of the picture. And back to my TEDx talk, I think people like that because it puts earnest on somebody else. They the get responsibility is no fault. longer on themselves. Mm, yeah. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. That's their that's their problem. Um, same with like getting a coach. Sometimes people say like, "Oh, well, I've I've given them money." So they'll get me the results. If I don't get the results, it's their fault. But mind. forgetting that they need to do this, is why I always say it's like a collaborative approach. Because it's like if you don't want to go to the gym and you're not going to go to the gym, like you've literally, you're not. Why are you paying me? Mm. But I think sometimes people hope that paying will get the ball rolling. They're like, oh, if I start doing it, then it'll start. Like me at uni, if I buy a gym membership, hopefully I'll go. And it's like, well, people do it with like equipment. Like they'll at the start of the year, they'll buy the gym gear and the trainers. Mm -hmm. They go, well, I bought the stuff now, so I may as well go. Yeah, 
and there is there is an element of like reward within psychology there's an element of like reward based behavior so like if I've got new gym gear, I might be like, oh, yeah, I'm psyched to wear this I tomorrow. I'm going to go to the gym. But again, that will eventually like wear off. So it's like, unless you're going to do that all the time, it kind of loses its novelty. Like as a business owner, how do you reward yourself for like milestones that you hit or things that you're proud of or give yourself that treat in a month? What sort of things do you do? I don't know. Like I say, when I hit that financial goal, I didn't really do much, but... My partner took me out for a meal. But in terms of myself, I think it's a big issue with business owners is they rarely ever look back. They're only ever looking forward. Yeah, and I can definitely relate to that because I'm not, I'm not the best at doing that either. But it's like finding that spot in your week where you're like, or your month, something that you will reward yourself for because you've done, like, you're proud of yourself. And I think mm. that is helpful in business sometimes. Like, if I do this, then... I'll be, I'll like, if I work this really long day, I'm going to reward myself off with like an earlier finish tomorrow. I don't know if you do that or whatever, mm. like however it works for you, but it's like making it make sense because otherwise you then just go through the motions with everything. Um, and when it comes to fitness, I think you can reward yourself, but unfortunately a lot of people reward themselves with food and that maybe doesn't help them. So it's finding other rewards like that make you feel good. So I often ask clients like, Give me five things that you love doing that make you feel good that aren't to do with food or drink. And they're like, um, and they might say like having a bath or they might say like reading a book, meeting up with my mates. Like, I love doing this like one thing or whatever. And it's like, okay, do more of those so things. You like those into their life. Yeah, so you actually understand like what you like more. But we don't ask those questions. Like, what do you like doing? Like, how do you spend your free time? What would your classes like? Something that you enjoy or whatever. Um... And I think that's like un the magic. If you understand that better, you can then start to weave them into your day so you feel more like, or your weeks, so you feel more rewarded. How do you feel? Because I listen to Stephen Butler a lot, like I've said. Mm. And I feel like recently he's been obsessed with health, which has then correlated in his guests being very health-based. Mm. I don't know if you listen to Stephen Butler yourself. He's had Simon Sinek on there. Yes, I do listen to, he has great guests. I've changed my opinion on him over the years. I think he... He's took a marketing approach as well. Yeah, and he, he, he's... Yeah, he just looks like like he's just out for one thing, like, and it's just, like, to feed the capitalist circle. Like, yeah. he's, he just makes me laugh how he's quite hypocritical. Like, he'll be, like, on social media, he'll say, uh, make sure you spend time off your phone. Social media's terrible. And it's like, mate, you created one of the biggest phone. social media companies in the world, and this is what you're saying. Yeah. He's, like, he's such a hypocrite. Like, but he has but great that's guests. that's what people want to see on their feed, isn't it? Yeah. He's so then literally they're like, fed into Yeah, he just market. says what people want to hear. Yeah. Um, he's, very, he's very, very smart at what he does. Um, yeah, there was a fitness event two weekends ago. I was going to go, but I had something else come up. And he was there. And I was like, why is he there? Yeah, why is he? It was literally random. But I was like, you can't create a meal replacement shake, mate, and just then turn up to all the yeah, fitness events. He's an investment fuel, isn't he? Yeah. So, but he, like I say, he has great guests on. Um, but I do think he's a bit of a hypocrite at times. But yeah, he has a lot of great fitness people on. But again, uses the clips to the podcasts as like clickbait. And they all get taken out of context. So like I saw one on TikTok of uh, Tim Spector, who... Uh, massive on gut health isn't he yeah gut health wrote a really good book called spoon fed um and it was just like he basically said that 
exercise doesn't have the impact on weight as you think it does, which is true yeah. in a scientific level, but people... He clipped it as exercise is not going to lose weight. Yeah, then people went, oh, no, that's not true. And it's like, well, it is on a scientific level because actually the more you move, the hungrier you get. So the more you're going to eat. So it's like, he, he was basically trying to say that. I think that was what his point was. And then Stephen Bartlett just clipped it to say, obviously his team did. I was like, well, you're kind of putting people in a dodgy light here as well, though. But he does have some really good guests on. Um, he had one who said, and again, this this may be a clip. I did listen to it, but I listened to it and I'm going to sleep, so I miss bits. Mm. There was one where he said, basically, calorie deficit is a load of bollocks. I think that was the Tim Spector one, to be fair. Was it Tim Spector? I thought it was the, the guy after. I don't know. Maybe it was him. Yeah. The thing it is, like, calories in, calories out on paper, the law of thermodynamics makes sense, right? Of course it does. Hmm. It's like, if you eat more and you move less, you will gain weight. If you move more and you eat less, you will lose weight. If you have those in equal balance so that your body is in homeostasis, you'll stay perfect balance, you'll stay the same. That is science. There's no denying that. However, calories in and calories out is so nuanced because there are so many more factors that go into each side of that. So calories in could be that we, we forget that people have got different levels of hunger hormones and satiated hormones in their body. So you know when some people are like, I just can't stop eating, we might struggle to understand that because our body is different on we a biological level. Yeah. yeah. So there's that calories in part. There's also the fact that that might person might be really, really active. So they maybe they need to eat more. Maybe they don't do anything and they eat less, et cetera, et cetera. There's, there's, there's tons. There's also things like... Um, in regards to their energy levels through the day. Someone who is sleep deprived is more inclined to eat more because their hormones get messed up the next day. There's, I could literally go on and list yeah, and list so of this. Many. So there's the calories in, then there's the calories outside, which is like, how much energy do you expend in a day? There's the whole misconception of like, if you do this, this is a 600 calorie burnt workout. It's like, that's so hard to measure. So no, one, on the no one can, yeah, no one can measure that. It's like, the other things that go into it in regards to calories out is like, Again, how much maybe body weight has that person got to lose in the first place? There's tons and tons of things. So that's why it's nuanced when he says like calorie deficit doesn't make sense because there are so many things that go into that, that person that we mentioned at the beginning with that model, which is their biology, their genetic makeup, how they absorb food, their age, their lifestyle that's led them to this point. Then there's also things like their psychology, their their thoughts around food. Is it obsess are they obsessive around food? Do they not really care for food? Do they not like food? I've met some people before in my life that are like, I'm not really bothered about food. I could give or take it. I'm like, that I baffles me because obviously flavour is just food. like I love food. So it's like the psychology of it. So it's there's a lot that goes into it. There are experiences that have led them to that point. Then you've got the social side, which is like the culture. You try telling somebody who um lives in Italy, like you're not allowed to eat after 6 p.m. when they literally sit around like, yeah, and... doing food or whatever. It's like all the things that go into that, your friends, like what do you like to do in your free time? Like how do you, like what's your environment like at work? Oh, I actually work in a bakery. Okay, great. That's going to be different to somebody who works in. Yeah, so it's all these things that contribute to it. So I think that was the point that he was getting. It's like calorie deficit is nuanced because so many things come into play. I think he spoke as well about like, colourful foods and say you could have 2,000 calories eating five Mars bars and you could have 2,000 calories yeah. eating a very varied healthy diet. And I think that's, I've worked with clients before who have come to me who have said, oh, I've tried everything and I've not lost weight. And then we've looked at the food, we've done a bit of a food diary together 
and then they've come back to me and they're having like low calorie snacks, low calorie everything through the day because that's what they get sold. This is what you need, it's low calorie, but they're literally so hungry because they're not filling themselves up on any fiber, any nutrients, that when it gets to the weekend, they're like, yeah, I've eaten 1500 calories or whatever it is Monday to Friday, but it's just been pure trash of food. And then they're like, oh, I've got no willpower because I had like two takeaways over the weekend and I ate and drank loads. And it's like, but you haven't focused on like the quality of food, not just the quantity. And I think that's where people just think like, oh, calorie deficit is so easy. It's just the quantity amount and I'll be fine. That's where I think the slimming world goes wrong. I hate slimming Yeah, world and Weight Watchers and stuff like that. It's just all, I think Weight Watchers is trying to change its messaging now to be more holistic and stuff. But Slimming World, yeah, is like the, the big culprit of, you can eat as much pasta as you want and it. Yeah, my mum did it. And I was I was looking at the food and she's like eating a chocolate bar. I go, what are you doing? And she's going, oh, I've got five sins left. Yeah. It's like, what is this? I'm it's not just, asking you to be so strict, yeah. but what sort of diet is but this? But then that's the smoke and mirrors thing that we spoke about where it's like the fitness industry will keep you in as long as possible by just not telling you the truth. Mm. So it's like, if you don't understand this, you are going to keep giving me money. So I just won't tell you anything. Whereas like my goal is I want to get my clients to the point where they go it alone, they understand health and fitness really, really well, that they can then like go and tell so-and-so about it and be like, yeah, yeah, I get it. I know I know what I'm doing and feel confident because then that investment is paid off. Like maybe someone who learns about the finances, they don't need to then get a financial advisor because they get it yeah. or whatever it might be in their life. It's like, if you understand it enough, then you, you're invested, aren't you? The difference with you and others, and I'm not saying your clients don't look good, but I think yours is more feel than look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think your clients will also look good, obviously, because yeah. there is a process there. But you're, yeah. you keep speaking about feeling, don't you? Yeah, and I think that's it. It's like it's it, feelings matter, right? It's like it's not going to say on someone's headstone when they passed away they had a thigh gap. <laughs> it's going to say had they a made great me, six they pack. Made, <laughs> that person made me feel like a great person. Yeah, they made me feel really seen. I was really heard. Um, they made me laugh a lot. Like, they were so funny. We had so many good times. Oh, my God. Like, like the feelings are what, like, tie us together as humans. So it's like, I think that's just, like, undeniable that you can't move away from that. I don't want to be that coach where they're like, I can't remember who they were. Do you know what I mean? And there might be some people that I work with over the years who forget about me, and that's yeah. fair. I can't control that. But I would like to think, like, I make enough of an impact on what they do with their health that they can then go on and be like, oh, that I remember that that Jess that I worked with. Even if we never speak again, remember that Jess that I worked with back in like 2023? Oh my God, yeah. She made me feel good. That really changed the way that I viewed myself and my health and fitness. And that impacted me for the next like 50 years of my life because I started that ball rolling about how I viewed things. And I'm like, that's amazing. Mm. I'd love that. Like if people feel like that, that's that would be pretty cool. That's a much more rewarding feeling isn't it yeah it's like well we all have a reason why we do the jobs that we do i'm i'm an empath i'm like naturally like i care about people a lot i'm a people person i like love reading people as you probably can gather so it's like that for me is very much like it's it's not like a one-in-one-out system i i want to get to know people i want to help them as much as i can as they want to help themselves mm. and then, then do do the thing really the podcast mm. when did you start that so we started the podcast in may you do it with sasha lucas is one of my good friends and a coach over in manchester 
Um, so we met through social media, so it's not all that bad. Yeah. So we met over social media, um, and we just got chatting, and I went to go visit her in Manchester, because I went to uni in Manchester, so I have a bit of a soft spot for it as a city. Um, yeah. And then we just got chatting and was like, should we do a podcast? Um, and what we was caught- your reasoning? Because there's usually a reasoning for podcasts. Mine with this was that I don't think enough business owners and entrepreneurs and maybe even people in a field mm. show enough why they've done it yeah i think that's they just show the success and i'm also guilty so that was my reasoning what was your reasoning because there must have been a gap that you wanted to i think it's very rare do you see female coaches as prominent as male coaches in the industry i think that's one i think two sasha and i got along really well and we thought we both had different views that we could bring to the table um it's nice to collaborate with other people in the industry rather than feel like you're always competing yeah and we both really wanted to do a podcast. We were both like, we've got a lot to say. Sometimes we feel like Instagram can't cover all of that or whatever. Like Sasha's quite a good writer. So she always say quite a good, she's going to listen to this. She's a very good writer. <laughs> she's a very good writer. And uh, she does a lot of like emails and stuff. Whereas I do like writing. I used to do it as a job, but I much more enjoy like being able to like talk and yeah you speak very get my, well get my opinion across that way so we both just thought it was a great idea and we've just done a weekly episode ever since sort of march 2021 and it's gone really well so yeah we love it we've had quite a few other coaches on as well and i think that's good is like we spoke about that echo chamber that can be created where I, like on social media but it's a much smaller minority of good quality coaches in the industry and we were like let's get them on Let's talk to them, people who we think are actually making a difference that we agree with in the industry. You can create a community then, can't you, if it's not just Jess saying this now. Yeah, and that's it. And it's, it's nice to be able to reach out and, and like just like me and Sasha did, like make friends with them and hear their opinions. And it also keeps you quite optimistic, I think, about the industry. That there's a lot, like I find today probably talking quite a lot with being... I've been quite cynical about a lot of things and I'm not a very cynical person, but I think without those type of people, it would be much harder. But then when you see like, I've been very lucky to like meet a few coaches over that way in Manchester who have like really helped shaped my view of like the direction that I want to head in the next few years. Um, and that's been like invaluable, like genuinely like I'm quite, I, I'm, I do believe in like having people who are a little bit ahead of you in some, th- th- some things in life because it helps drive you forward. 100%, I've found talking to people I've spoken here that I've always taken even just one little thing. Mm. And that's like the key is collaborating with people that you wouldn't collaborate with on a conversation basis. Yeah. You may message them on Instagram and go, oh, that was great, well done. Yeah. But having like a 40 minute conversation or an hour conversation, you, you dive deep into their brain, don't you? Yeah, no, it's so nice. This has been great today to be able to chat to you like this, because it it's nice just to, talk through your thoughts and mm. and like you say sometimes maybe your friends and your family are a bit sick of you talking about certain things so it's like just nice to be able to, to me and Laura it's like a therapy session it is <laughs> and it, oh, god you know I'm there for the therapy sessions um just I'm, I just think talking about stuff is like one of the best ways to express how you how you feel about things and and find out more about yourself as mm. well so yeah it's like I'll go away from calls with clients sometimes and think hmm why what like why did I think that then or like what was maybe in the back of my head when they said that or like what's my bias maybe or how is that leading me forwards or backwards or making me be curious so it's like it's constantly like making me a better 
person, coach. Like I, I, I think it's great. I'm very grateful I'm in the industry I am because I feel like it, it helps me like in so many ways. Where do you want to take the podcast? Is it just going to, you just want to keep collaborating, keep finding ideas, keep talking about subjects that are important to the industry? Yeah, I think so. Um, we we are enjoying having more guests on at the moment. We didn't do like any guests for like a year pretty much. So we're having a lot more guests on now, um, a bit more variety of topics in regards to like people's stories, which is really good. Um, we... I think we would like to do like an event at some point. That would be, be really cool. We've like, because I think we have a bit of a split where it's like a lot of our clients, some coaches as well, and then probably people who like aren't anything to do with us, but just really enjoy the listen. Mm. So it would be good to do like a bit of an event to bring everybody together because obviously there's like, it's that's our echo chamber, right? That's our like shared vision of where health and fitness can go. But being curious enough about like, allowing people that space to ask questions in real life and stuff would be really cool so yeah and it would be it would be really good um so i think more more conversations with other people coaches maybe even clients um and then maybe an event at some point that would be really cool that'd be great what's it called are we still here so still the here? premise was like are we still here we're still talking about the same things in the fitness industry We've been talking about is for it 10 years. because it's a, a never-changing industry? Yeah, it's a bit of like a nar the narrative, but we, we kind of started it a little bit out of frustration as well, where we're like, oh my God, are we still talking about this? Are we still talking about calorie deficit? Mm. Are we still talking about this? Oh my God, like we're a bit exhausted. It's like, are we still here? Is this where we are in the fitness industry? L literally now, after all these years, people are still here. It's like, surely there's more meaning to this for people than this same thing, like diets and like weekly weigh-ins and stuff like it's like we, we kind of started it from that point but then it's explored over time where we've just we've taken it a little bit further um we did speak about this not long ago because we said it probably has changed a little bit because we did a little bit of the frustrations in the beginning but as time's gone on now we're, we're more just exploring the things that matter like educating people on things that we maybe don't think they know enough about or if they have any questions to ask us that we, we will share our thoughts and feelings on it so yeah no it's good Really enjoy doing that. It's like, I've got it tomorrow morning, actually. It's every Wednesday, so it's good. Two podcasts in a day. Two podcasts in a day, yeah. I love it. I listened to a little clip on Instagram, and it, it, it's, it's class to kind of see a deep dive into that rather than the aesthetic front all, as, yeah. as Lauren called it, the, the shop front. The shop front, yeah, absolutely. And I guess with the pod as well, it's like, you don't have to be massively into health and fitness, and you could cherry pick, like any pod, any some of the episodes that you like. Um, but we do try to keep it like relevant, interesting, whatever your goals are. We'll talk a little bit about performance or we'll talk about like sustainability with your health, but we will talk about like the diet things. We'll talk about like weight. We will talk about those things. It's not like we avoid them, but we also try to help people see that there's more to it mm. than that. Cause the more you're aware of like, oh great, there actually is more exciting stuff to that. You feel more empowered to go on and explore further. Like when you learn something new and then you can't get enough of it and you're like, oh my God, I need to like learn all about mm. this and you like want to devour it all. Like that's a great feeling. Like I would love to be in that place with my fitness when I first started where I was like so keen for everything. I'm there now, but in a different way. Like I'm learning more as a coach or I'm yeah. learning more as a, do you know what I mean? So yeah, no, it's really cool. I suppose the pod has kind of put that passion back into your job because your job was your passion. And that mm. became your job. So now talking about it on the pod, which is something you really enjoy, allows you that free time to just 
Yeah, just just Relax like shoot it really. Talk. Yeah, it is it is really good. And I think as well, a lot of coaches get into health and fitness because they like health and fitness. Hmm. And then you realise though very quickly that that's not what makes a good coach just because yeah, you yeah, like yeah. something. It's like, <laughs> I could like football, I could be a terrible footballer, but just because I like it doesn't mean anything. So it's like, once you realize that, I think there's a really like high stat, which is like 95% of personal trainers quit within the first year. It's huge. Because I think a lot of people go into it thinking it's going to be something it's not. It's going to be that rinse and repeat thing. Maybe going to be the rinse and repeat thing. Maybe it's just, I love fitness. I can show you how to love fitness. And it's right. not as easy as that, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I would say there's still clients that I work with that are like, oh God, here we go again. I have to do a workout this week. They don't love it. They don't love it like I maybe enjoy it, but it's finding the correlation between why it's important to them and why we're doing it mm. and making sure that they understand that throughout. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I think that's, that's the reason that the turnover is so high is people see it as like, if I'm just passionate about it, I'll just carry on. But being a coach is so much more, more than, than that. that. Yeah. It's, it is a journey of where you have to understand people and if it may be started from a place of ego or selfishness look how great i look i'm really good at this whatever very quickly you realize it's not about you it's about them and then you're like oh right so that's what makes a coach making it about them not me and maybe people don't like that. i don't know mm. i don't know what the reason is i think it's a hard industry to build up that momentum with as well if you've never been in sales or marketing or business if you've not got any of those skills and all of a sudden you have to get a client base you have to be a people person you've never been in actually all you liked was the science stuff of fitness or all you liked was lifting heavy yeah then someone says oh you've got to actually build a business around this and they're like oh my god panic <laughs> i just know how to lift heavy yeah exactly whereas i think i was i was quite lucky because I, I worked in marketing and sales before i went into my career in fitness yeah so it stood me in really good stead that i had that background um but yeah it i don't, I don't think it's for everybody and i understand that but so what would be your one piece of advice to the average joe who wanted to improve their health and fitness is it why is that yeah i think find that connection to why you want to do something if you want to improve your health and fitness amazing find out why you want to do that on a deeper level because that will drive your intention forward that will be the vehicle in which you go in the direction you want to go if you have no clue why you will spend a bit of time and there's maybe nothing wrong with that feeling a little bit lost maybe right. you'll just go from point to point being a bit unsure about why you're doing it you might also get a bit disillusioned you might lose interest and that's okay if, if you're happy to do that but how many years do you want to do that right it's like then that's when people get this sense of urgency and panic around stuff where they're like, oh, well, I've only got six weeks. I've only got 12 weeks to do it. And it's like, but if you found your reason why, you could filter this through your life for the rest of your life. And there wouldn't be this sense of panic and urgency forever because you actually have found your way of working. And it doesn't have to be in the gym. It can be finding a way that you like to move or actually finding a way of like improving certain elements of your health, whether that's your sleep quality or reducing stress or your nutrition or whatever it is but you understand it better and you can start to understand why. And if you're struggling, get a coach, like get, a good, get a good coach, ask them good questions, find out what about them. Like that's going to set you in a good place. Um, that's probably one of the things I wish I did when I first started was got a coach sooner. I spent a lot of time trying to work out myself because um, I'm quite independent. And then eventually I was like, oh gosh, I just need to like actually invest here and, mm. and suck it up. And I know that's not 
easy for everyone. Having a coach costs money. I get yeah. it. I know it does. But if you're not going to be able to do that yourself, then if you're not going to be able to pay somebody to do it for you, then you need to be willing to learn. Yeah. Um, and like, we live in a world where everything is available. Accessible. If you want to learn, you can learn. Yeah. And I know it can be confusing, like any industry can be confusing to learn at the beginning, but it's like, okay, let me find some good sources. Let me go from there. Um, but yeah, I think that would be it. Get get clear on your why. On the flip side then, if somebody wanted to be a coach, mm. what would be your one piece of advice for them? If you want to be a coach, I would say try and discover early on whether or not you feel like you have got the capabilities or the want to do all of the elements that it requires to be a coach so being a coach isn't just do you look good with your top off it could be like are you a good listener are you willing to become a good listener are you willing to constantly invest in your own education and self-improvement because if you're not because if you're not you're in the wrong industry because it's changing so quick yeah nutrition 20 years ago is different to it is today yeah, yeah so it's like you need to be like in that boat ready to like be able to keep going with that um are you like business minded you might not need that if you maybe go work at a corporate gym or something like that or you, you paid by somebody else you might not need that but you still need to get clients you still need to be able to market yourself um so there is a lot of like different elements that come into it so i would i would just like sit down and think what does it take to become a coach do I think I've got maybe the qualities or the capabilities? If I'm truly honest with myself, would I struggle in any of those areas? And if so, what would I be willing to get better at? Um, like there's certain things that I didn't necessarily realize until I was in it. And then I was like, oh God, I really need to get better at that. Mm. But I think if you are the type of person who likes to develop and improve, you'll find that easy because you'll think on your feet and you'll constantly like learn and evolve. I, like, I've looked at my business and gone, there's a hole there. I need to make sure I fill that there's a hole there I need to fill that I need and if I can't like okay well why can't I what's what's wrong there why am I like hesitant to do yeah, it or whatever yeah. so yeah I would say that it's probably the same with you like you just look at yourself try to zoom out a bit yeah a lot of people I think go into business and just think I'm gonna earn money whereas mm. you you think later on you might have to have staff can you deal with staff can you talk to staff yeah if the staff comes to you and says I want a pay rise. Mm. Can you deal with the solution of that? Yeah. So I think a lot of people are clouded in every industry Yeah. when they're starting. So I think it's good to give a bit of advice to those. Yeah. And, and coaching is an amazing industry. Like I know we've, we've spoke about around some of the downsides and stuff today, but if you go into it with the, the care for people yeah, that you want to truly help them and you want to help improve their life, like that is huge. That's, that's an amazing, um, like thing to want to do because not everybody wants that like some people don't want to do that as a job and I think that's why being a PT or being a coach or whatever can sometimes be like oh you're just a PT or you're just a coach and it's like no I think it's an amazing job like you, you you're helping people like change their lives that's like unbelievable like I was never going to be a doctor I was never going to be a nurse Things that's what it is like. I was about to say, like doctors change people's lives. You're doing it. But yeah, I genuinely, I genuinely think we make such a big difference. So it's like, I think yeah. Sometimes the PT qualification maybe got like a bit. Oh yeah, you're just gonna go be a PT. I think when I was younger at college or whatever, it maybe wasn't a valued industry to go into. Like whereas now I 
was t- I was totally wrong. My bias there was like, oh, you needed to go to uni to have an education, which again, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm in debt and I did a degree that I don't use. It me maybe too. helped me in some way, but I'm st- I'm, I still came back to the same place that I was always going to come back to, which is sport and helping people um, and like fitness. So yeah, I think um, I think that's it. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's an amazing career. So if you are like on the fence around should I, shouldn't I? Like I had a client who actually I worked with for nearly two years and she had her own amazing journey with me and discovered so much about herself. And it also felt at a time where she was unsure about her career direction. She was like 10 years older than me. Um, and she left her job and she's now coaching. I think that's amazing. I bet that's lovely to see. I love it? it. Yeah, she's coaching now at like a local leisure center gym, just getting her experience up. And, but she's, like she's like oh my god it's so good but it was tied really closely to her old job um which was like helping people and stuff so she was like not in a fitness way but in a different way so she's like i just love it like i love like <laughs> i love how fitness helped my life and now yeah. i want to help with other people but she's like in a really great position she's very level-headed she can see charlatans she can see the truth like she's really she's really like in a great place so yeah yeah i'd say i'd say if you feel like it's something you want to go for look at yourself first and then go for it Lovely. the last question mm. it lies within this box oh interesting so this could be deep we could talk for another 10-15 minutes or it literally could be what yeah do, what do you like for breakfast I heard Lawrence Lawrence was short wasn't it oh what was Lawrence oh about eating or drinking soup <laughs> yeah that was actually really short uh, a food combination that you think is underrated Hmm. Yeah, it's not health and fit. Maybe health and fitness space. I guess so. Um, combination. Have you ever had going off that? Have you ever had toast dipped in a cup of tea? No, that, but I actually wouldn't say that's a bad idea. That's top actually. tier. Yeah, top tier tea. Um, no, I haven't had that. I do. Uh, I guess it's just like having a biscuit in a brew, isn't it? Yeah, but it's, I don't know, it's like weird. My granddad taught me it when I was little, and ever since then, it's it stuck with you. It's so good. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Something that from when you were little, this isn't very health or fitness related, but when I was younger, because I was such a chonky baby, <laughs> my mum, um, not when I was a baby, but I was a toddler, my mum used to give me a banana, but then put sugar on a plate, and I would roll the banana in the sugar and then eat it. And oh. I loved it as a kid. Also, probably explain why I had so many fillings <laughs> when I was younger, but I absolutely loved that when I was a kid. A little combo that I would go to now, I don't know if there's anything weird or unusual, but I do love like a little cinnamon chocolate and popcorn in a bowl all together. So you get a little bit of a mix every now right. and again. So it's like, you get a bit, a bit of sweet, you get a bit, yeah. So it's get, like, I do like that. Um, but yeah, combo, it's not like a weird combo apart from that banana and sugar situation. Yeah, that one is a bit odd. Yeah, I know. It's like, here's health. Here's, here's yeah. not health. <laughs> there's, there's my mum as well. He's blessed. Like we've got we've got a genetic thing in our family, which means we we're more likely to get diabetes. Mm. And my mum's like, they're that giving helped. out sugar. I'm like, yeah, that's sound. Thanks Thank so you. much. Yeah, no, but that one was probably when I was younger. Um, I don't think there's anything weird that I do. Uh, I do love my food, but everything's pretty normal flavor combination. Um, I think you do. I usually have weirder ones when you're kids, don't you? Because you just try everything and anything. Yeah. And I also don't really have, like, I'm not a fussy eater either. Like, as I've got older, I, I love a bit of everything. Like, there's not much I don't like, to be honest. Um, yeah. I would, I'm going to say my food combination that is underrated is my banana in sugar 
So but I encourage. Do not try as a health and fitness I coach. I encourage anyone to do give not it, try give it a whirl the next time they have a banana uh, and tell me what they think. No, that's spot on, Jess. I really appreciate this conversation. It's been very informative. No, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. A subject I've not known a lot about, um, but I just feel like I've got like information overload now, and I feel like there's going to be a lot of clips that come out of this. Good. This podcast. I'm glad. Yeah, you'll have to let me know. Um, if anyone, uh, if you've enjoyed it, it'd be good to hear from everybody. If you want to follow you on Instagram, it's... So, it's, uh, so my name's Jess, but it's at S3LFUK on Instagram. So my business is self with a three in the middle. Um, and it's just with UK at the end on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, everywhere. You find and me. the podcast is Are We Still Here? Are We Still Here podcast. You can find us on all platforms. Lovely jubbly. Yeah. Jess, it's been a pleasure. Thank you Thank very you much. so much. Thank, Thank you. you.